in this space where we are learning and practicing and growing together about following the way of Jesus. This is a community where we welcome all people. I just finished leading our first confirmation class for this year, and one of the things that uh, was brought up several times is that this is a church that welcomes all people. So that message is a message that we need and that the world needs, and that's why we continue to live in to that way of practicing our faith. As we gather this morning, we're going to begin with some time to breathe and to notice uh, for each of us the way that the Spirit might be showing up for us. And so as we turn to that, I invite you to place a hand on your chest, maybe near your heart. When we do this, it can have the same response in our bodies, uh, neurologically and physiologically, that when we get a hug. So let yourself respond in that way. Maybe let yourself relax into that sensation a little bit. And know that the love that it brings is a love that's present here and a love that is from God. And so in a few moments of silence, let us rest in that love. of the many ways that you will experience God today in the service and throughout your week, of the many messages that you might get uh, from the world, for better or for worse, I hope that the one that you can return to time and time again is that you are loved. You are people of God, children of God, and that love is always there. And so it becomes the grounding and the way that we are with each other and with the world. And it's in that spirit that we welcome one another using the words that are on the bulletin saying, no matter wh who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We do have Children's Church today. Toby is leading Children's Church. It looks like some of the kids may have already gone out after they brought in the light. If you uh, did not go out yet and would like to go to Children's Church, they are just right down the hall in room 12. We also have a nursery available in the back and a coloring table in the back there for anybody who thinks and prays better when their hands are busy. So do whatever is comfortable for you this morning. Good morning. Please join me in the gathering words. In worship, we share the good news. And we share in this place, we receive the tender care of God. We gather today with hope and with courage.
Psalm 22, verses 23 through 31. May we hear the wisdom in these words for our lives today. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord who rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow down before him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. They will hear about everything he has done. Such a joyful way to end. We are um, going to start this morning with a different story about uh, telling, about hearing things. This comes from India. It's an old folk story, and I couldn't pin down the exact time frame that it was from, um, but we know that it starts showing up in written things uh, maybe around a thousand. This is a story about a woman who knew a story, and she also knew a song but she didn't tell either the story or the song to anybody. And the story and the song wanted to be free. This is a world and a time and a place where things had a life that we might not expect or understand from our modern times. So the story and the song wanted to be free and they got together and they planned a way to escape. And so one day the woman who was a really hard worker. She sat down kind of in the middle of the day around that time when you start to get a little sleepy and she fell asleep in her chair and her mouth kind of came open a little bit like it does sometimes if you nod off. And the story in the song escaped. And the story became a pair of shoes and it went and it sat right outside the front door. And the song became a coat and it went and hung itself right on a peg on the inside of the door. And the woman woke up and she went on with her day and she didn't notice anything, but at the end of the day, the woman's husband came home. And when he came home, he saw the shoes and the coat because they were right there as he entered and he went in and he said, who's here? And the woman said, no one, I'm the only one home. And the man said, well, there's some shoes 
and a coat, so somebody must be here. And she said, no, I'm the only one here. And so it went on, and as it does, like all that confusion became a suspicion on the part of the man and defensiveness on the part of the woman, and so they argued. And they argued late into the night, and finally the man got fed up, and so he gathered up a few things, and he went to sleep in the temple. And the woman went to bed, and she laid there for a little bit, asking, whose coats and whose shoes are these? And then eventually she got tired enough that she blew out the um, light on her lamp, and she fell asleep. And because this is a world where everything has a life that we might not expect, it was the tradition for the lights when they had been blown out all over the town to go to the temple. And then they would hang out, and then they would talk about whatever happened in their houses that day. So these lights went to the temple, and they were late getting there. And the other flames said to them, where have you been? We've been waiting for you. And they said, you would not believe our day. The man and the woman in our house got into a big argument because there's a pair of shoes and a coat and nobody knows who they belong to. And the other lights said, well, who do they belong to? And the flames who'd been paying attention said, well, the woman knows a story and she knows a song and she's never told them to anybody. So they've escaped. And they were a little mad, so they also took revenge. And the story became a pair of shoes, and the song became a coat, and they're hanging out there in the house, causing trouble. The man was in the same temple, for that's where he had gone to sleep when he got angry, and he overheard the lights talking about this. So he knew what happened. And he went home, and he said, good news, solved the mystery, all you need to do is tell your story and sing your song. And the woman looked at him and she said, what story? What song? And so the story and the song remained a pair of shoes and a coat. And they sat there I'm curious, there's a lot in that story that is different for our world, and I wonder just what images, if you were gonna illustrate this story with one image, is there anybody who would share what they would illustrate it with? The shoes. The lights in the temple. The shoes were also the ones that I thought of as um, kind of the thing that was really captivating. And I think it's because they um, feel a little lonely sitting there, like it's a symbol of something waiting to happen. And so it makes me wonder about the woman and that story that she had and that song that she had and why they never got told or sang. I wonder if it's because they were so important that she thought they were safer with her. 
I wonder if she thought that other people had a better story than hers, and so she didn't need to share it. And I also wonder what it was like for the husband to know that there was a story and a song that he would never hear now because they'd been forgotten. It's a different story, and it's a different um, understanding than where the psalmist is writing from in that scripture that Kirk read for us this morning, but they have some similar concerns. The psalmist is also concerned about people sharing their stories and their songs. You might have noticed it repeating, I will tell, they will tell. For the psalmist who's writing, the good news of God's work in the world has to keep being news. The idea isn't that we experience it once and we forget it. We have to keep sharing it. And that's what they are encouraging us to do. And what we might notice about that is that sharing this great good news isn't just for when things are going well. The psalmist is talking about holding this promise even when things are maybe not going as well. And I think to understand that best, we can look at the very beginning of the psalm. And I think if I can find, hold on, does anybody have a Bible? You might have a Bible near you. My, um, mine, has, mine has walked off. Maybe it decided it wanted to go sit somewhere and cause some trouble. But, um, but this one is handy. If you turn to Psalm 22, which is roughly, the Psalms are roughly towards the middle of your Bible, depending on how your Bible is laid out. Um, so you can kind of let it flop open to the middle and you might arrive there. If the Bible that's near you in this pew looks like this, it's page 475. Does any, did anybody find that already? And if you did, the first, somebody just read that first verse, Psalm 22, verse 1. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does anybody recognize that from somewhere else? see nods. We hear it uh, from Jesus on the cross. At the very end, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then there's another part later on in the psalm where he, where the psalmist talks about um, crying out and God doesn't answer. I'm poured out like water God, be not far off. That's all of the things up to verse 21. The psalm is this cry of anguish. It's why it shows up on the cross. It's one of the psalms that we see that the writers of the story are referring back to in their symbolism as they retell what it was like to be there that day and reimagine what it was like for Jesus. And then it shifts at the point that we picked up. The psalm becomes something else. One of the things about the psalms in general is that they are always holding this tension. The psalms are one of the places where we hear these um, vulnerable cries to God 
about what it's like to be desperate, to feel alone, to feel like God is so far off. And they are also one of the places where we hear so much praise. And this psalm is just a little microdose of how that shows up in all of the psalms. But I want to point out one thing about that this morning, which is that we want to pay attention to what in kind of recent times we've started to call toxic positivity. Maybe you've heard that term, toxic positivity, and it refers to the way that we can shut down these really hard emotions by trying to turn to something good too quickly. And so things that we mean to be well-meaning, like that'll work out, or you'll be okay, or keep your chin up, or just stay positive, end up not doing what we intend for them to do because they turn out to not really be about healing. They turn out to be a way that we're just trying to move really quickly beyond the negative. And it's a problematic thing, not just from a mental health standpoint, but from a theological one. Because our belovedness does not come from being happy all the time. All of the things that we have, the things that we experience, the things that the psalmist talks about and talks about right here in this psalm are welcome in the relationship that we have with God. And so while it's a very real movement from desperation to hope, the psalm isn't about getting quickly through something bad so that we can just be happy and ignore anything hard. It's about that process of honoring what is beautiful and also difficult so that we can live ultimately with hope. I think that if real hope, if our hope can't hold this kind of profound grief and lament, then it isn't hope. Then it's just a band-aid. It's a way that we cover up the hard things rather than letting that light and air get to them so that they can be healing. And there are stories that people don't tell because they are too afraid of them. They are too afraid of what the story will ask of them. And so the psalmist, with all of this emphasis on hope that we heard first, asks us first to recognize the desperation. We cannot hold one without the other. And we cannot offer healing if we are not also willing to hear sorrow. Catholic priest uh, and writer Henry Nouwen puts it this way. Who can save a child from a burning house without taking the risk of being hurt by the flames? Who can listen to a story of loneliness and despair without taking the risk of experiencing similar pains in their own heart and even losing their precious peace of mind? In short, who can enter into suffering without taking it on? That's true of our work for justice, and it's one of the places that uh, Henry Nouwen is writing from, but it is also true of our interior lives. We can be so quick to distract ourselves from the hard things, from the sorrowful things, from those places 
where we want to ask God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why am I alone in this? And we have a lot of good ways to distract ourselves from that. We have books and TV and sports and the internet, and none of them are inherently bad, but they can give us a way to avoid our questions. And they can give us a way to avoid entering into sorrow. And so one thing that we might take away from the writing in the psalm today is a sense of courage that the psalmist brought to it. The ability to write these words of desperation and of longing that ultimately make the words of hope more profound because you know the person has been there. And then no matter how much our world tries to keep us moving from thing to thing to thing, from distraction to distraction and amusement to amusement, the psalmist reminds us that real hope is found when we can sit in that place between sorrow and joy. When we can sit there and we can give voice to both. And what occurs to me this morning more than anything in all of that is that that means resisting the temptation for easy answers. That's, I think, where our desire to be faithful can bleed over into this sense of wanting to not hear. We have to resist that temptation and be willing to sit. If we had time to read that psalm all the way through again, you would notice that it almost sounds like two different psalms. That's how distinct the change is. The first part is all about struggle, and then it's all about the good work that God has done. And one way of reading that would be to read it as though the writer of the psalm was writing at two different times writing from two different experiences. So maybe the first part was written in a time of desperation and longing and questioning. And the second part was written as a going back and saying, oh, God was there all the time. I have a friend who um, keeps a journal of their prayers. And then when they feel like they've experienced an answer to a prayer, they go back and they write it next to the thing that they were praying about, that would be one way that we could understand this psalm. A prayer, and then the revisiting it and showing that it worked out well. In that case, we're thinking about it as the psalmist is writing backwards, right? They're writing from a place of resolution. And that's a valuable way to share hope, to share it as though we have been there, and this is how it worked out in our lives. But another possibility for us to wrestle with today is the possibility that the psalmist is writing forwards. And by that I mean that the psalmist is still writing in that moment of crisis and desperation. The psalmist is still writing at the point where they feel like they have been forsaken. And it's in that moment that they somehow get to the point where they can still say, I will tell of the good news that has been done.
It may be something like what you've experienced if you've had a really intense emotion and you've cried or ran or done some boxing or any of the ways that we work through those emotions and the problem isn't fixed yet. It's not better. Things have not been resolved, but we're acknowledging the possibility that it could be. And in that reading, when the psalmist says, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters, I will tell of the good work that you have done. The psalmist isn't writing because things have improved and it's all better and they are happy. They are writing that because they are trusting that at some point, at some point, they will once again experience praise rather than lament. They will once again know what it is like to be joyful. That moment when we can be in a hard place and still know that it could look different, that's the moment when hope is kindled. That's where that little spark lives. And when we can catch it there and let it grow, we can offer that hope to ourselves as well as to others. That empty shoes and that coat that we started with in our very different story grab our attention because they are symbols of loneliness. The woman is lonely. The man is lonely. The story and the song are lonely. That's why we picture them sitting there empty, waiting. But I wonder if we can also flip that story and see those things as symbols of promise. See those shoes and that coat hanging there, not as stories that have never been told, but stories that will still be told. And maybe even as proof that our stories and our songs change. So in those moments where it feels like all we have is hardship and loneliness and desperation, maybe we can find in that shoes and that coat, the assurance that we will someday sing songs of promise again. May this be our hope and our prayer. As we turn to this time of community prayer, let's return to that hand on our hearts. Remembering that we are grounded in our belovedness. That we are grounded in the reminder that we can bring all things to God. And that we are grounded to be part of a community 
where we move through the hard and the joyful together and learn how to hold them both at once. And so from this place, this place of belovedness, with our hands on our hearts, let us pray. God, for all of those in need of healing today, we ask that your power and your comfort be on them. For those who are sitting or moving through a place of desperation, for those who are asking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We ask for your presence. For the places of war throughout the world, the places of violence, the places near and far that need your peace. Come quickly, God. And even holding all of those prayers and perhaps things that are too tender and have not yet been named, we thank you. We thank you for the ways that you have worked and the ways that we know that you are worked. Guide us. Help us to continue to grow into being your people in the world. Guide us so that we may walk more fully the path that Jesus walked. And we ask this praying in his name and saying together, Amen. Continuing in that spirit of prayer, let's join our voices in this prayer of Jesus as it is in your bulletin or on your screen. God, lover of us all, most holy one, Help us to respond to you, to create what you want for us here on earth. Give us today enough for our needs. Forgive our weak and deliberate offenses, just as we must forgive others when they hurt us. Help us to resist evil and to do what is good. For we are yours, endowed with your power to make our whole world. Amen. Beloved ones, as we practice peace uh, out in the world, we get to practice it here first. And so we take a few moments to greet one another in the name of Christ or to pass the peace. And one way that you might do that is to say, peace be with you. And another person could say, and also with you but there are many ways to pass peace. And so turn to those who are near you and pass the peace of Christ as is comfortable for you.
Friends, go out to tell the story that you have. Go out to tell the stories of hope. Go out unafraid to share the stories of challenge. Go out ready to enter into the places of sorrow where people might need a little bit of your light. And as you do this, know that the light of God surrounds you. The love of God enfolds you. The power of God protects you. The presence of God watches over you. And wherever you are, God is. Amen.